Well, welcome, welcome. We are going to be uh, picking up where we left off last week. We kicked off a new message, a new series, uh, right? Does anybody remember what we were talking about? I know we're, we're, we forget things quick. Riding shotgun, right? Come on, Aunt Teresa. We, we picked up and, or kicked off a new message titled Riding Shotgun. Somebody say shotgun. All right, so we're living in Holly Pond, Alabama. Come on, somebody. You know, we can uh, put shotgun in the title of the message, right? Only in, only in Holly Pond, Alabama. We love our guns around here. Well, so we've been talking about a message, right? Really just a reminder of surrender. A, a message that, you know what? I need to trust the Lord. Uh, and I need, to, I need to be all in with him, right? Because he was all in for me. And, and I have to remember uh, who he is, the things he wants to do in my life. And I'd have to know and remember that there's plans and a purpose and a promise for my life. And he wants to take me places and get me there. But guess what? We can only get to the place he wants to take us when we allow him to lead us. I can't get there on my own, under my own understanding, under my own strength, doing it my way. Right? And so as a, as a reminder, this message is a reminder of, of, of that surrender, that, that lifestyle that God wants to, to call us uh, into, right? This, this relationship, this, this daily relationship that I have uh, with God, right? With my Lord, with my Savior. Amen? So I'm really excited to not just resume it, but we're going to actually be closing it out today too. So it's just a, a quick part, uh, a two-parter. Uh, and I really feel like this has been a great... Uh, message coming off our end times message. You know, that was a pretty heavy, somebody say heavy, <laughs> heavy message. And so I, I hope y'all have enjoyed this as we go ahead and pick this up today and close it out. So well, let's go ahead. We'll hit some recaps, okay? The things that we talked about last week before we get into the new part of our message this morning. So that first point, we kind of laid some, some, some groundwork, right? Some foundational thinking, uh, last week as we kicked this off, right, so we said living a life of faith oftentimes looks a lot like an extended road trip. Somebody say road trip, right? This life of faith, y'all know it, right, is a long distance race, right? It's a long distance race. That's why you got to be all in with him because your faith is going to be tested. There's going to be trials. There's going to be things you're going to have to go through that will drive you to your knees, right? And that's why we need him in our lives, and so we have to know and remember, as we're kind of trying to paint a picture of, 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 of allowing God to take control and, and to lead me and guide me as I sit shotgun and watch him work, that this is, is a long-distance trip, a long-distance road, so to speak, until God calls us home, right? So we said sometimes what happens is we spiritually set the cruise, get relaxed, and we often find ourselves, what? Lost frustrated and wondering how we got here. God, how did I get here? Why don't I have any peace? Why don't I have any joy? Why am I angry? Why am I frustrated? Why am I stressed out? Why am I anxious all the time? Hear me, it's probably because somewhere along the lines in our spiritual lives, we've gotten spiritually lazy. Right? We've gotten spiritually, we set the cruise, I don't meet with him every day, throughout my day, all day long, and I get lost, and I get frustrated, and I wonder how did I get here, why do I feel this way, right? It's because I'm doing it my way, That's that last sentence of that statement, it's usually because we're leading ourselves and doing life our way. We're doing it our way, we're stressing ourselves out, we're trying to fix our own problems, Right, our own way and our own understanding, and I forget to consult the King of Kings. 
right? He's worthy. The Bible says never stop praying, never cease praying. If it's, if it's big enough to concern you, it, it's, it's big enough for him, right? If it's small enough to concern you, it's, it's big enough for him, right? It matters. His children matter. And so we have to consult him on all the things that we're going through. That next point. So we said, as believers, one of our primary roles as a follower of Jesus Christ is to let him lead, right? That's self-explanatory. I know we got a lot of super smart folks uh, in the house this morning, right? Being a follower of God is just that. He's supposed to lead, right? I'm supposed to follow, right? What did Jesus say to Matthew? If you want, come and follow me, right? That's our, our, what our spiritual lives are supposed to look like. And a Christian, you study that out, it means literally to be what? christ like. We want to look more and more like Christ every day. Sound more like Christ, look more like Christ, right, every day. And so I know that we know that, but the second part of that statement is, so we, to, in order to do that, we have to be willing, somebody say willing, on a daily basis, every day, right, to surrender our lives and say, what? Jesus, take the wheel, right? Jesus, take the wheel. Today, I will sit Shotgun, right? Let's go ahead and get it out of our systems. I know you're all thinking it, so let's just sing it. Jesus, take the wheel. I'm not a very good singer, right? And so let's just give credit where credit's due. Ms. Carrie Underwood, thank you. You know, I wanted to put it a different way. I said last week, you know what? But she just said it best. She said what I was trying to say. And so, but that's what this life of surrender has to look like, right? You know, you hear this a phrase we use in Liberty Church all the time. Uh, all the time, right? Good morning, Holy Spirit. Right? I say even sometimes good afternoon, Holy Spirit, good evening, Holy Spirit, throughout the day. Right? It's a great way to start your day, inviting the presence of God in your life. Right? And then this next statement goes almost hand in hand with good morning, Holy Spirit. After I meet with you, after we spend time together, right? now Jesus, lead my day. Guide me. Right? Because if you're like me, y'all probably wear a lot of hats. Right, I, I, I work for Target Pest Control. I'm a pest control a bug killer. So I have that hat. I'm a full-time pastor. I'm a, I'm a husband. Right, I'm a new dad. I'm a friend. I'm accountability partners. I'm, I'm a brother. I'm a son. Right, I wear a lot of hats. And so I got to meet with him. And then I have to say, Jesus, where are we going today? What is your, your, your list of importance? What are we doing today? Where are we going? Right, And that has to excite us. Right? Are you excited living for God? Do you wake up in the morning and are you excited to meet with him? Or does it feel like a duty or a job or something that I'm just doing, checking a, a spiritual box off on my checklist? Because hear me, if you don't meet with him because you want to, because you love him, because of who he is, you're going to feel dry. You're going to feel spiritually uh, dry and, and dead. And so he wants to shake us up. Y'all know living with God, letting him take the wheel is exciting. Being a Christian is exciting. I've done things I never thought I would do. And it's only because of Jesus. Right? If you're not excited living for God, you're doing it the wrong way. Amen. This book is exciting. There's some promises in here. Come on, somebody. That we can stand on and believe for. Right? And so it has to be exciting. Really, the whole point is we have to invite God into our lives. Well, I know one thing about God. God, the Holy Spirit, is a gentleman. And he is not going to come uninvited. He's not going to invade your free will. 
He is not going to invade your choice. He wants you to invite him into your life. And you know what? Jesus, take the wheel is a great invitation, right? I'll sit shotgun today. And we have to invite him in the good times and in the bad, right? See, when things are going bad, Jesus, take the wheel is easy. When I'm desperate and I need Jesus, Jesus, help me take the wheel, that's easy. But what happens is, as God, as we live for God longer and longer, and he begins to bless our lives, and we experience the external blessings in our life, what happens? We're quick to forget what he's done and who he is, and, and, and what happens? I get spiritually lazy. I, I love God. I worship God. I thank him, but I, I'm, a, I'm in the driver's seat, and he's, I put him in my back pocket or in my backpack, or I make him a passenger in my metaphorical car of life, right? And when it gets tough, then I pull him back out, right? That's backwards. Right? He wants us to stay in that place of, of desperation all the time. He's got to be our everything, right? Let's look at that next point, that uh, uh, next uh, recap point. And so here's the, here is the lie, a little lie that the enemy will use for uh, believers, maybe even that have accepted Jesus as Lord, but God's wanting them to take them to the next level or into a new season, something that's going to really challenge their faith, and they'll use this as an excuse or even somebody who's a non-believer that maybe is thinking about asking Jesus to become their savior, but it just kind of keeps them on the back burner, right? Because this is a little lie that the enemy uses, uh, that God wants to control your life. If you say yes to God, he's going he's gonna to control your life, and it's the exact opposite, right? God doesn't want to control our lives. He wants to be a part of it. When he is a part of it, then he can then influence it, begin to influence our lives. You know, there's a difference between control and influence, right? The enemy wants to control you and make you do things. God is not that way, right? Just think about um, even like the sin of somebody who was struck in drug addiction or drinking. I share all the time, I was, I was an alcoholic. I say was because Jesus has set me free. Right? And so, but it started out as fun and games and it ended up to Ian not having a choice anymore. What happened? The enemy began to control my life. He wanted to kill me. He wanted me to take me out, right? And God is not that way. He wants you to invite him in to, so he can be a part of your life and love you where you are and get you to another place. But then as I live for God, I want to, I want to please him, right? Because I love him. So the things that I do are not because he's controlling me, it's because of the influence that he has. In my life, right? Ian, when he was uh, addicted to alcohol, the influence of drugs and alcohol made Ian do things that sober Ian would have never even dreamed of doing. Thank God I'm still here. Here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit of God comes to live and dwell in your life, you will begin to do things under the influence of God that you would never do alone, Right? Ian would never commit to being a full-time pastor, preaching two times every Sunday, leading the church without the influence of the Holy Spirit of God, right? Are you doing something cool, crazy, and exciting for Jesus? A lot of us in our sin did a lot of stupid, crazy, dumb things that we thought were exciting in our sin under the influence and the sway of the evil one, right? So, Jesus, take the wheel. Come in. God, I invite you. Let's go. Where are we going? Right? Let's do some stuff. 
When we surrender by letting him lead and drive our lives, not only we long for an amazing ride, but we get to watch him work, right? Signs, miracles, and wonders. You know what the cool thing is about riding shotgun? When you get to ride shotgun and someone else is doing all the driving, what happens? You get to begin to start enjoying the scenery of life. <laughs> the blessings of God. You begin to see the signs, the miracles and wonders. The blessings that you have where God's taking you. You get to spend time with Jesus as he's kind of taking the burden and taking the load off, right? As you get to sit at his feet, watch him work. Do those things, right? And sitting shotgun, riding shotgun doesn't mean that we just, we do nothing, right? Let me backtrack a second. We still have to make choices. We still have to live. We still have to do things. Sometimes we struggle hearing the voice of God. And we don't, is this God? Is this not God? Hear me. Sometimes we just have to pray. You have to believe and you have to act. You have, but if you're sitting at his feet every day, I guarantee you he's not going to lead you astray. Right? And so, but that's what it's supposed to look like. Jesus, take the wheel. Where are we going? And I can begin to start enjoying my life and the ride of what a Christian life looks like. Right? The next point. See, as we're on this, this journey of life, this ride of life, the thing is, we're, we're, statistics say that people, us as Americans and people all over the world, are stressed to the max. We have life. We wear all these hats. We have all this stuff going on. Uh, and you got to know that the solution to whatever problem that you're facing is always, somebody say always, always. more God. The solution to whatever problem it is that you're going through is always more God. God, more Jesus, more Holy Spirit, more Father God, right? When we do life our way and, and try to fix the problem under, in our own strength, we make God a passenger, okay? We must stop trying to get God involved with what we're doing and get God and ask God how we can help him with what he's doing, right? I got that question, where are we going, God? Where are we going today, right? We got to stop Asking God to bless what I am doing and say, God, how can I get involved with what you're doing, right? We said last week, we used the scripture, right? What Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I know if he's leading and guiding me, he knows the way. He's not going to lie to me. Uh, and, and he is the substance of life. And so I can trust him on wherever it is that he has wants to take me and lead and guide my life. Amen? That next point. I think this is y'all's first new point uh, for today. And so I'm really excited. We're going we're, we're gonna to focus on the promises of God as we allow God to lead us and guide us in our lives. You know that there's some promises, right? And so promises are great, but they're not really the thing that's going to sustain my faith. So we're going to look at that today. So Let's, let's read this first point. So the only way to get where God wants us to is to allow God to lead, okay? God has plans, a future, and a hope for every single person. The longer we resist the direction and ways of God, the longer it takes us to get to the promise. Okay, so I would, I would say it, it's fair to believe that each and every one of us, I hope, would like to get where God wants them to in their life, Right? Is anybody trying to get to where God wants you to go? Some hands going up, okay? The only way that you can get there, 
that promise, that thing that you've heard the Lord say or that, that, that promise in your heart, the only way you can get there is to allow God, Jesus, to take you there. Why? Because he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. You can try getting there uh, your own way, but you're probably going to get lost, right? And so God says that there's a, there's a future, a plan, and a hope for every single person, right? We say this all the time. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, are for good, right? Not to harm, but to prosper you for a future and a hope. That's for every single person. And so the longer we resist the ways of God and the leadership of God, the more pain and despair uh, we experience in our lives and the more frustrated I feel. And God, how did I get here, right? Sometimes we get there by accident, but sometimes we actually choose that path, right? And I want to show you in Scripture today uh, that we're just like the people of Israel, right? God had a, a promise for the people of Israel, and they took you could debate this the long way. It happened a lot later than maybe it could have based on their disobedience and based on the faith that they had, right? Because we talk about it all the time, right? The, the people of Israel were lost and wandered in the desert, desert for what? For 40 years, right? For 40 years, they wandered around. They knew there was a promise of God, but what were they doing? They were disobedient. They chose sin. They, they chose other gods. They, they tried it their way. And it just took longer and longer and longer. And for us, it's the same in our lives, right? And that is a desert that they were stuck in. Y'all, we just say that word desert, right? But a desert is what? Is a dry, hot wasteland of a place. There's no food. There's no water. You would think you'd want to get out of a place like that pretty quick, right? <laughs> they spent 40 years busting, arguing, fighting, wrestling with God. Right? And so I want to show you in Scripture here. Let's look at Acts 13, 15 through 20. And I'm using uh, this Scripture. This is, uh, we find Paul and the disciples. They're making their way through the, the towns and through the cities, preaching the gospel. And uh, I use this instead of uh, the account really in Exodus because Paul kind of lays this out, um, what really happened with the people of Israel, right? So verse 15, it says, After the reading uh, from the law of the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent a word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have word of exhortation for the people... Please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, uh, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. Right? So let's, let's hunker down. Let's listen to what God's saying this morning. Verse 17, it says, The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors and made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured the conduct in the wilderness. For, Paul's saying that God endured the conduct. He's saying that in a polite way, right? The conduct of his people, the, the sin and the disobedience and the, the, the resisting of the move of God, right? And for us, it's, if we're honest, we do the same thing, right? In seasons and areas of our lives, it's like, I believe for God for this, but in the, I'm just, you know, I, I'm wrestling with God, and he says, so he endured uh, for about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. And then he over, overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. And all this, see, we talk about the 40 years in the desert, but really the culmination from the moment Egypt was, 
was set free. Uh, they crossed on dry ground, right, as God parted the Red Sea in a miraculous way to get them ultimately to the promised land. But it took more than 40 years. It actually took 450 years before they got the whole promise of God where they had the first high priest, which was Samuel, before they had judges and, and the 12 tribes of Israel. And so what I just want to hear me, it took a lot longer than maybe it could have. Right? The promise of God, the promise land. And so Israel's disobedience and lack of surrender prolonged the promise. Right? They still got it. Praise God, they still got the promise. But it didn't take but 450 years for that full promise to come into fruition. Guess what? You or I are probably going to live maybe to 70, 80 years old. So the promise of God that has given you, if it's 450 years on down the road because of your disobedience, you will never enter into that promise. Right? There were people, generations that did not get to enter into the promise of God. Because they didn't make it that long, right? There were generations behind them that did not make it into the promise because of their disobedience, right? So you have a promise for your life. What if that promise for even your children's life is hinged on your faith? Are you going to hold back the blessing and the promise of God for your kids because of your disobedience? That's something to think about, right? That's something we'll be accountable to one day on Judgment Day. But So just hear me. The promise of God is, is great, but that can't be that, that thing that, that, that motivates me, okay? It's, it, the promise of God is, is a good thing, but it's really God. i got to be captivated by who he is, by the love of God, to keep me living for God. Does that make sense? Let's look at that, um, that next point. So like I'm saying, there's, there's nothing like the promises of God. There's nothing like the word of God that, and those things that he wants to do for us, okay? And it's often, it's a motivating factor for us to keep living by faith. But hear me, when, when your faith is truly being tested, it won't be enough to keep uh, your allegiance to the king of kings, the promise of God are, is a good thing, but it's not going to be that thing when you're going through the fire, when it starts getting tough, because we're quick to forget. I'm going to prove this to you through Scripture. Uh, we're quick to forget and all that he's done for us, and so we have to stay excited um, living and serving for God, and we have to reside in the resolve of God. I love that. We have to reside in the resolve of God, which is what? His love, the love of God is what keeps me excited, is what keeps me living for him, keeps me serving for him. It keeps me in that, the passenger seat, allowing God to do what he wants to do, right? And so, the, the prom, like I'm saying, the promises of God are, 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 are good things for us. But if all I'm focused on is what God can do for me, then when he doesn't do it, I'll find myself disappointed, Right? So I serve God because I love him, not because of what he can give me, okay? The blessings are extra. The promises of God are extra. Those are good things, but I serve God because I love him, right? Gifts are great, but his presence is better. Gifts are great, but his peace is unmatched, right? Gifts are good, but his power is unmatched. I can't get his 
power without first having his presence. All right, I can't just skip and operate in signs, miracles, and wonders without spending time in his presence. Right? But so let's look at let's look at Deuteronomy 4:1, okay? And so this is Moses. He's, he's, he's talking to Aaron. We actually find Moses at the end of his life. He's done, he's led Israel out of the out of Egypt through the desert. He's done the Ten Commandments. The people still rise up and rebel. And for the most part, they're following him, but they they, they continue to rise up and do their own thing and sin and disobedience. And, and so he's about to pass the torch, right? To his right-hand man, who is who is Aaron, and he's just He's really building Aaron up and explaining to him as he passes the baton, really, of, of leadership to him on, on what to do, okay? And he says, now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and go and take possession of the, the land the Lord your God, your ancestors, is giving you, right? That, that promised land, the promise that God had for his people, right? The land of what? That, that was going to flow in milk and and honey, a place where they could go and worship their God and build their temple. A place just for the people of God. Right? That's where they've been trying to get to for all this time. So let's skip down to verse 9. It says, only, he says, be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not what? Forget. So that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children and their children after them, right? People of Israel had seen God work in, in signs, miracles, wonders, crazy, only God things, right? They witnessed them, and, and they were quick to forget. You and I, we live life, and God shows up, and he answers prayer, and, and, and he blesses us through other people, and, and we see things, all these things work in, and God's working in my life, and then even two days, two weeks, two months later, I can forget, right? Sometimes even that thing I was praying for, God blesses me with. And then two months later, I'm asking God, why? I'm, I'm, I'm cursing the blessing that he gave me, right? <laughs> the thing that God blessed you with that you were praying and asking for on your knees for, now you're like, why did you give me this? Like a puppy or something? Anybody been there? <laughs> oh, and so, but isn't it crazy how quick we are to forget? You know, we have a tendency to read the scriptures and remove ourselves, right? We're like, those people of Israel, yeah, we love you. Man, how could you have been so right, stupid? How did you miss it, right? We read it out of context, and we forget to place ourselves. We're the same. We are the same, right? So Moses knew that they were quick to forget. He wants to remind the people that they, they have to serve God out of the love of God, right? Because if they focus on the promises, it won't be enough. Uh, and it's the same for us. But let's, let's skip down um, to verse 20 through 24. And so verse 20, it says, But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, right, which was Egypt, out of Egypt, to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. The Lord was angry with me because of you, and he solemnly swore that I would not cross in to the Jordan and enter the good land the Lord your God has given you as your inheritance. I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan, but you are about to cross over and finally what take possession of that good land. Here he goes again, right? He says, but be careful not to forget the covenant your Lord your God made with you and do not make yourselves or find yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden, right? For the Lord your God is a consuming fire and a jealous 
God. He says, don't forget. God delivered them through the Red Sea. And they forgot. God provided fresh manna from heaven every single day miraculously. And they still forgot, right? God promised them, right? But the promise wasn't enough to sustain their faith. Let's read Numbers 14, 1 through 4. It says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall, excuse me, by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Now, how crazy is that? The thing that God supernaturally delivered them from, that place of bondage, that place of sin, that place of, 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 of all that mess that God brought them out of, they are asking to go back to that thing. Right? God blesses us and we forget. God blesses us and we want to take charge of our lives back. We, we want to take charge of our destiny back, right? Because we believe in God and we believe that God is going to do something in my life and that he can take me places that only he can, right? But the thing is, uh, I don't know the way that God is going to take me. I don't know how God is going to get me to that place, right? And because I don't know that is why I struggle and why I even want to go back to that thing that was trying to kill me, that thing that was enslaving me, right? And so God blesses, and we have, to, we, we have to remember the blessings that he's done for us. All right, let's look at that next point. And so we got to know, as we are allowing God to lead our lives, okay, as we are trying our best to have Jesus take the wheel, and we sit shotgun, and let God do God, and let us do us as we follow God. Don't just do you by yourself. You, yourself, and I, okay? Follow, do you as you follow God. We have to know that the enemy is going to do whatever he can to get them off track. I believe the enemy was doing whatever it could to keep Israel bound, the people of God bound, frustrated, stuck in sin, uh, dealing with temptation. Why would they want to go back to that thing that was killing them, right? That is the enemy working, right? The Spirit of God is alive and well, but you got to know the enemy He's alive. I don't want to say he's, he's well, but he's alive and working, right? And so the enemy will use all sorts of tactics to get us off track, all sorts of tactics to get you off that path that God wants you on, okay? He tries through what? Temptation, sin, pride to keep us distracted and distraught. When we live like this, lost and without the hope and the clarity that comes from God, we actually block the blessing. Somebody say block the blessing. When we live like this, we block, we resist God, we block the blessings of God, and we, we do what? We suppress that work of God that he wants to do and cultivate in our lives, right? So this is how the enemy comes in and how he works and how he tries to distract us. He wants us to always feel unsatisfied. Our gods are substance, right? We pray that this morning. 
But the, and that's how the enemy comes in. When I feel like God is maybe saying even no right now in this season. You know, when God says no, that doesn't necessarily mean no. It just means not now. And so when, when, when I'm going through something like that and the temptation of, of, of the thoughts that I have, he wants us to feel discouraged. He wants us to feel unsatisfied like we want more. Like I had it, back, I had it better back in Egypt, right? As the Israelites thought. It's, it's a little whisper. It's a little lie. It's a little thought. That's how it creeps in. And if we feel this way, if you feel that way, if you have a thought like that, Hear me, you need to slow down, you need to stop, and you need to say, am I really living by faith? How did I get here? Because if you are feeling that way, the enemy is trying to work in your life. He's trying to shift you, he's trying to get you off track, he's trying to do, he's working, he's moving against what God is trying to do in your life, right? If, if I feel frustrated, if I, if I feel unsatisfied, I'm doing something wrong, right? I'm driving. God's not, I'm not sitting shotgun, right? And so I have to, I have to really stop and, and say, hey, right, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Jesus, take the wheel. Let's read 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Right, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Each and every person in this world has to deal with temptation, right? We all are dealing with the same stuff. And God, right, but God, he's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Somebody say way out. So that you can endure it, right? That's why I need to be spending time with him every day, Right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you know, but he's also the way out. <laughs> he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life, and he's the, even the way out when I'm feeling the pressure, when I'm feeling maybe the temptation or the sway or the sin or something. I'm even maybe, why well, I want to go, I need to stop and I need to say, invite the presence of God in my life, right? Look to God, right? That's how I invite him in to my life. Let's read 2 Timothy 2, 19 through 21. It says, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from their wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Hear me. God, he wants to use us all in his divine story, and your divine story that you have in your life with your life and your gifts and your anointing and your family and your ministry, but the level of which God uh, can use me, the the, the thing that's going to determine uh, even the, the, the mission that God has me on is based on the level of my surrender, my obedience, and my faith to God, right? Because there's all types of instruments of righteousness that, that God can use. Are you going to be this bright, big, shiny diamond in a glass case that God wants to show off for the whole world? 
Uh, or are you going to be maybe a, a wooden spoon or a, 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 a gold fork? I don't know. One's not better than the other. You know what? But if God has given you a dream for you to attain that dream and get to where God wants to take you, you got to be all in. You have to be all in. It will determine what type of instrument of righteousness God will let you be, right? God wants to use us, but it's our obedience and our faith that determines our mission, right? Let's look at that next point. So he wants to use us, but it's our obedience and our faith that determines the mission that God is going to give us based on our faithfulness. So we, here's the cool thing, we, you and I, get to decide if we'll be available and useful to the master based on the level of our surrender. The key to our surrender is staying in the shotgun seat is remaining awestruck. Somebody say awestruck. In love with the one that has given you life. If you live for God because what he can give you, when he doesn't give it to you, you're going to be frustrated. Your faith is not going to be strong. But if you live for God uh, because of who he is and because you know that he loves you and because you love him, you will stay there and you will worship him and you will be awestruck and in love with him and you'll, you'll trust in him and you'll go wherever he asks you to go. Right? God wants to help and he can lighten the loads of life that we carry. Y'all know we have a load of life that we all carry. We just have to be willing to give up the driver's seat and let God do his thing. Somebody say thing. You got to let God be God and you got to let you be you, like I said, and let God work in you and through you, right? John 12, 2 through 5. I love this scripture because it just shows that type of awestruck love that God calls us to. That thing that moves us when we see God for who he is, right? Here, uh, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those, reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a, a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Mary saw, knew, recognized what? That Jesus was the king of kings, right? She worshiped him for who he was. And let me say, back in the day, uh, you know, they had dirt roads. They didn't have socks and shoes like we have today. And so people's feet were nasty. <laughs> they was dirty. They was stinky, right? And so every household had a servant. That was their job. As the people came into their home, that was what they did. They washed their feet. And people's feet was nasty, and she, she poured out a whole thing of, it says a, a year's worth of wages back in that time of perfume. It was that expensive. She poured the whole thing on his feet and she washed his feet with her hair. Talk about awestruck in love because she knew who her God was. That's the type of worship. That's the type of surrender. That's the type of, of life that God wants us to give back to him. She was in essence saying, I worship you, God. I believe in you. I trust you. Jesus, wherever you go, I'll go. Jesus, take the wheel. 
right? She was in awe with him. Let's read Psalms 55, 22. As I do that, when I worship him, when I meet with him, when I experience his presence, y'all, this is easy. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. He wants to lighten our loads. And when you worship God for who he is, the load of whatever is on your back that wasn't put there by God, that we put on our backs ourselves, will begin to be lifted off. <laughs> and you will feel liberated, and you will feel freedom, and you will feel his presence and peace, right? And sometimes you feel like you can run through a wall. <laughs> Wherever you go, God, I can do it, right? Because you met with him, right? First Peter 5, uh, 6 through 8. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. What does it say? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Y'all, you don't have to deal with the stress of life and the anxieties that you carry, that we carry alone anymore if you don't want to. If you need a miracle, if you need something in your life for God to answer and do, if we spend all that time worrying and stressing out about it and thinking, trying to fix it myself, why do we waste all that time trying to do it our way when all we have to do is just worship him like Mary did? God, in e either way that it works out, I have peace here <laughs> in my heart. We don't have to, to fight alone if we don't want to. It comes down to inviting him in to our lives, right? Giving him that permission to come in. Amen? Y'all want to join me in prayer as we go ahead and close? Father God, Lord, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us heard something today. God, that you met with us individually and personally and spoke something to us, something that we can go home with. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Ian, I heard a lot of what you said, and I, you know what, I'm doing a lot of things good, I'm living for God, but there's maybe an area in my life or a couple areas or some things I'm just resisting, I'm wrestling with God, and you know what, I, I'm done with it. I want to just give it to Him today. I want to release it if it's a healing, if it's... If it's a new relationship, if it's a new season, if it's, if it's a question that you have and you're struggling with it and you just you want to say, you know what, Jesus, take the wheel. You want to make that decision today, I want you to go ahead and just raise your hand up in this place. Hands going up, amen, praise God. God, God sees you, God loves you, God sees your faithfulness, He sees your honesty, amen. Thank you so much for those hands. I just want to pray over you, Father God, I thank you for these, these people, these children of God. People that feel that they have heard you speak today in their lives. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, and as they by faith surrender these things, I pray that you would move in like a flood, God. If there's a solution that they need an answer to their problem, I pray you would deliver it to them, God. If not just from the voice of you, from the voice of another believer, a family member, somebody to affirm what their next step is, God, or the next choice is, whatever it is they have to, to do or get through, God, that you would lead, lead them and guide them. I thank you that you're the way, the truth, and the life, God. If we're connected to you, the vine, the lifeblood, Father God, we'll bear fruit. 
God, and we'll go to wherever it is that you have us to go. So I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I got one more thing I want to do. If you're here today and you have either never given God uh, your life, we call it being born again or getting saved, that moment where you say, you know what, God, I know in my heart of hearts that me and you aren't good. I got darkness in my life. I got sin. I'm doing things I know I shouldn't be doing. And today I want to trust you with my life. If you've never made that decision, today I want to give you that opportunity right now. I want everybody to keep praying. If you are born again and you're saved and you're a Christian, I want you to pray right now for the lost. Maybe someone today is going to accept Christ. So if you're here today, everyone's got their eyes closed, no one's looking at you, no one's watching you, I want you to do something oh, by faith. I want you to stand up right now. Stand up. You say, man, why do I have to stand up in a public place? I say, you have to stand up because God's really speaking to you. His son, his savior that he sent for, for us, uh, he had to do a lot more than stand up. The love that it cost, it took him to be uh, crucified and whipped, broken, beaten beyond recognition, hung naked on a cross to say, I love you, to say that you're forgiven, to say that you can be a part of the kingdom of God. So if that's you, I want to give you a few more seconds. I'll let this moment pass you by because it can be the most powerful thing that ever happens in your life. Talk about changing the course and direction of your life. It can happen today. That's you. Just stand up today. A few more seconds. Amen. Well, Father God, Lord, I thank you that based on our our deeds and our actions this morning, that everyone here in the sanctuary has, has shown to be born again or saved, Lord. And so I thank you for that. Lord, thank you for your presence and your goodness and your kindness, God, and your patience. God, in your forgiveness that is available to us. Lord, I pray that we walk in those things as we leave here today. God, if, if those are available to us, then as your children, we need to make those available to the world, Father. God, that we would be the salt and the light of the world as we leave here today. Lord, and so we thank you, God. We love you, and we're excited for this journey that we are on with you, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Give the Lord a big old hand this morning.